Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Chapter and verse in the Bible is put there for easy read, that you can easily read that chapter ends, chapter begins. But it is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the last time that we were together, we left off in chapter 21 and verse 36. And for several weeks in chapter 21, just by raise, raise your hand. Were you here with me most of chapter 21? Were you here? Okay. Then you know that we have been talking about Uh, the second coming of Jesus. Today we pick up our study in verse 37 because I believe that verse 37 is actually the beginning of chapter 22. So Luke chapter 21 will pick up in verse 37 and we'll read right on into chapter 22. Luke 21 verse 37, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. And in the daytime, he, Jesus, was teaching in the temple. But at night, he went out and he stayed on the mountain called what? Olivet, or the Mount of Olives. We were there on our last trip. We'll be there on the next one. Then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. And then chapter 22, verse 1, the feast of the unleavened bread drew near, which is called what, saints? Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. And then in verse 3, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. And so he went his way and he conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he, Judas, might betray him, Jesus, to them. And so they were glad and they agreed to give him money. And so he promised and he sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Then, in verse 7, came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And so they said to him, oh, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you enter the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, and then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large room, furnished upper room, there make ready. And so they went, and they found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. In the daytime, Jesus, according to chapter 21, verse 37 through 38, Jesus, in the daytime, was teaching in the temple. 
And then at night, Jesus would leave the temple and he would cross the Kidron Valley and he would ascend the Mount of Olives and he would stay on the Mount of Olives at night. Then early in the morning, he would go back to the temple. Now, verse 1 of chapter 22, go ahead and look at it again. It tells us the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called what, saints? The Passover. Now, we all know what the Passover is, do we not? Exodus chapter 12, the Passover celebrates God's deliverance of the people from the Egyptian bondage and the death angel. Remember the story? The death angel would pass over the house whenever he looked down and he saw the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. So the death angel was passing over the house, and if he saw the cross on the doorpost and the lintel, he would pass over that house. Now, the time is significant. Because at the Passover, Jerusalem was crowded with Messiah-expecting multitudes. Everyone who was anyone was in Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate lived in the area of Caesarea by the sea. We've been there. You'll go there. Caesarea by the sea. But he would come to Jerusalem with a band of soldiers to maintain order in Jerusalem during the Passover. King Agrippa would come to Jerusalem during the Passover. Other political leaders came to Jerusalem and camped out in the Antonio Fortress to make sure that there were no revolts or riots during the Passover. During the Passover, the atmosphere was very, very tense in Jerusalem. Now, you got to keep in mind, the religious leaders understood that in the hearts and the heads of the people, they saw Jesus as a deliverer, as the Messiah. Don't you remember in the triumphal entry, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people begin to wave palm branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The religious leaders were more political than they were spiritual. And so they always wanted to please the crowd. At the same time, they feared Jesus was taking away their authority. So in verse 2, Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us, the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him. And so they're looking for some angle, some reason to put Jesus to death. Look at verse 3. Please look at verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. Now we need to remember, and don't forget, Satan is behind all of this. Satan is behind, are y'all listening? Satan is behind the death of Jesus. The real enemy of Jesus is Satan. I think of the movie, Passion of the Christ. We all seen it? The Passion of the Christ? We all seen it? Okay. Some of y'all didn't see it. I can't believe there's a Christian on the planet didn't see it. You ain't a real Christian. I'm just kidding, his kid. And in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, remember, the, for those of you that did see it, you remember the crowd and Jesus was carrying his cross and he was, you know, weighted down by the cross, carrying his cross. And the camera would pan the crowd. And there were people yelling and screaming and the crowd, the, the camera would pan the crowd and then it would pan by and you see the face of Mary, Remember? And then the camera would pan back again, and you saw the face of an image of what was to be Satan. Satan himself is in the crowd. 
Satan is at the feast of Passover in Jerusalem, and Satan is behind the scenes seeking to kill Jesus. Notice, verse 3 tells us, Satan entered Judas Iscariot. Now, verse 4, Judas, look at it, went his way and chatted with the religious people on how to betray Jesus. You write this in your margin. Matthew 26, 14. And he went and he asked how much money he could get for betraying Jesus. In verse 5, they were glad and agreed to give Judas money. Now, think about this. This is probably one of the most fascinating things to read to me in the Bible. Think about this. Judas Iscariot was one of the 12, and he spent time with Jesus every day. Judas was there when the wind was raging, and Jesus rebuked the wind. Judas was there when Jesus delivered the demoniac. Judas was there when he healed the paralytic, and they let him down through the roof. You remember the story. Judas was waiting outside when Peter, James, and John went in with Jesus, and Jerry's daughter was raised from the dead. Judas was one of the disciples handing out the bread and the fish to the 5,000. Judas was one of the 70 sent out and given exousia. Exousia? Power. Authority. To cleanse lepers, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to preach the kingdom. Judas saw the mighty works of the Lord, heard the teachings of Jesus, participated in the miracles of Jesus, and yet the Bible tells us that he was a betrayer. After seeing all of that, being a part of all of that ministry, where y'all at? You listening to me? Being a part of all of that ministry and seeing all that, yet the Bible says that he was a betrayer. Now, some people have wondered why did Judas hang with Jesus for three and a half years? That's a valid question. I, I don't know. I mean, really, I don't know. don't know, but you might want to keep this in mind. Judas' motives were always power, position, and money. And it could be that Judas expected to receive a position of status. When Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, so when it came to, uh, it became evident to Judas that Jesus was not going to be the Messiah that Judas hoped for, he turned against Jesus. In other words, Jesus didn't give Judas, watch this, Jesus didn't give Judas what his selfish heart wanted. And it could be that Judas thought, you betrayed me by not being the kind of Messiah I wanted you to be, so I'll betray you. Could be. Sick. Twisted. It could be. But I'll tell you something. When your life is eaten up by greed, ambition, selfishness, you'll do crazy things and you'll think crazy ways and you'll think you're right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When your life is eaten up by ambition and selfishness, and doesn't it blow your mind? It blows my mind. When Jesus chose Judas, he knew that Judas would betray him. Did you know that? He knew that Judas would betray him. John chapter 6, verse 7, he write it down. Jesus said, I've chosen the 12, and one of you is a devil. John chapter 6, verse 64, write it down. Jesus knew from the beginning it would be Judas who would betray him. Now listen, if nothing else shows you what a great, awesome, loving, patient, gracious, long-suffering God we serve, I don't know what to tell you. 
We serve a great, awesome, patient, benevolent, kind, loving, gracious God who, even though we are sinners, I'm going to wait while you keep clapping your hands, all right? Even when he, he knows, and yet he's still patient with us. Who can understand that? We wouldn't do it. We would not do it. I mean, think about it. How many of us here would allow someone to be right alongside the ministry and you know they're going to betray you right alongside the ministry? Not only that, but he is balancing the church's checkbook. And, and, and he's experiencing the blessings of ministry and the miracles that Jesus did. And at the same time, knowing that Jesus, that he was going to, Jesus knew he was going to stab him in the back. Man, thank God I ain't God. Amen. Thank God you ain't God. If I was God, and I mean, I wouldn't do it. Somebody's in the ministry with me and they're holding the church's checkbook. And I know they're going to stab me in the back and I had the powers that Jesus had. I would make them toast (laughs) and enjoy it. Yes, that's how we are. But that's not how God is. God is gracious. There are people who say, well, you know, if I saw Jesus walk on water and I saw the miracles and experienced the power of the, that the disciples did, I'd be a strong Christian. We've heard people say that. Really? Well, Judas had all that and he still was taken down by sin, which tells us the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The issue with Judas is the heart. The issue is the sin of covetousness. And sometimes, you know, we look at covetousness like it's not a big deal. You know, we look at somebody's house, boy, I wish I had that house. Somebody's really nice car, boy, I wish that I had that nice car. You could have just got yourself a nice car and you see one better. That's just how we are, greedy. Greedy Christians. <laughs> but covetousness, that's kind of how we are. And we don't really see covetousness as like one of the big five sins. Covetousness, you know, okay, everybody covets. I'll get over it. Everybody covets. We don't see it as one of the biggies, you know, adultery, you know, murder, idol worship, you know, fornication, blasphemy. Those are the big fives. But think about this. It wasn't adultery or murder that took Judas down. It was greed and covetousness. And it's very interesting that John chapter 12 is the first time we hear any words from Judas' mouth. And the first words that come out of his mouth is, why was that oil poured on Jesus wasted? We could have sold it and got some money for it and gave it to the poor. Is that the first words recorded in the Gospels coming out of your mouth Is something as it relates to greed, covetousness. And John tells us that he didn't say that because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and covetous. Now, I don't want you to miss this because, look, it's defining and it's a scary phrase. Look at verse 4. It's a defining and scary phrase. Speaking of Judas, notice he went his way. Judas is choosing his own way. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Judas is choosing his own way over the word of God. Did you get that? Judas is choosing his own way over the way of the Lord. And I'll tell you something, and perhaps you know this. 
Whenever you choose your own way over the way of the Lord, it will only end in destruction. It will only end in misery and chaos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anytime. Listen, young folk, I'm trying to help you. Because y'all make a lot of stupid mistakes. Y'all think y'all smart? You ain't smart. You choose your own way in any situation whatsoever. It does not matter. You choose your own way over the way of the Lord. I guarantee you it will end in destruction. It will end in misery. It will end in problems. That's why you got to follow the Lord. That's why you got to do what God's word says. And you got to do it the way God says do it. I want somebody to say amen and clap your hands. Would you do that? You got to do it the way, because it really, really, your life will be messed up when you don't follow the Lord. And I wish somebody would have told me that when I was 15 years old. I wish some pastor in the pulpit would have stood. Isn't that right? I wish somebody would have stood, some pastor in the pulpit, some with glasses, bald head, black pastor would have stood in the pulpit. Oh, that's me. And said, do it God's way. I wish it never happened, and thus I did a lot of things my own way. The Bible says in Proverbs fourteen twelve, there is a way that seems right to the, a man, but the end is the way of, anybody know? Death. Proverbs ten twenty nine. write it down. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. I love that verse. That's such a sweet, gentle verse. Teach me your way, O Lord. Judas never prayed, teach me your way. Instead, he went his own way. And I believe that this is a warning for those of you here who don't know the Lord. Jesus, Judas lived with believers and he fellowshiped with believers. And I'm sure Judas went to the potlucks at the church. And I'm sure he went to the Christmas parties and the church functions and he hung out with the church. Judas served Jesus with the other disciples. He gathered with the believers when they gathered, but he wasn't a believer Judas listened to the teachings of Jesus without ever being a believer. And Judas, by outward appearance, is what the world thinks is a Christian. And yet he was a betrayer. Somebody look at Judas by outward appearance. Well, he's always at church. Man, he hung, he hangs out with Jesus. I mean, if you hang out with Jesus, I think that means you're a Christian. I don't think you'd be hanging out with Jesus if you weren't a Christian. You must be a Christian. He's like always at church. He's always at all the Bible studies, at the home fellowships. He comes to the Christmas parties. I mean, he must be a Christian from all outward appearance. He was a Christian. The world would look at him and say he was a Christian. But can I tell you something? Being a Christian has nothing to do with outward appearance. It had everything to do with what's going on in your heart. And what God, I'm awake. I'm awake. Being a Christian has everything to do with your heart. Has your heart been changed? I mean, really, has your heart been changed? Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Are you living your life for him? I'm not talking about just going to church on Sunday morning, get a nice sermon, go home and feel better. 
Or Wednesday night, you come to church, oh, that was great. You even took the time to go to church on Wednesday night. That's great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do you know him? Is he in your heart? Is he in your life? Is he in your mind? And the first thing you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? That generally will tell you what you worship. Hmm. The first thing you think about in the morning is generally the thing you worship. When you wake up in the morning, is the first thing come out of your mouth, thank you, Jesus. Or is the first thing come out of your, out of your mouth, man, I can't wait to get out of this bed. I got to go make some money. Or let me look out the window, make sure my nice, shiny new car ain't been stolen. Well, check the stock market. Get the newspaper. Oh, how my money doing? What's the first thing you think about? You see, if you think about Jesus, you're a Christian. Because he's in your life and he's in your heart. You know, I think we get the impression that somehow Judas was a betrayer, that somehow Judas, you know, looked like a betrayer. Can I tell you something? Judas didn't look like a betrayer. If you fast forward to verse 23, in, in this very same chapter, Jesus said, Woe to the one who betrays me. And they began to question which one was it, because then they all began to look at each other. But notice they didn't all just look at Judas. Why? Because Judas didn't look like a betrayer. I mean, and what does a betrayer look like? You know, black glasses, black cape. You know, when he walks, he goes. I'm too nice. I can't look like a betrayer. (laughs) But, you know, what does a betrayer look like? He didn't look like a betrayer. He learned to do what most church folks learn to do. And that is to put on a mask when you're in the presence of other church folks. That's what he did. He learned to put on a mask. He learned to act like the rest of the disciples. Just like church folks. We learn that we, we learn there's a certain etiquette and there's a certain way to act when you come to church. You know, and you put on a church mask. So you're on your way to church and you don't have that mask on yet. It's on the driver's seat. It's on the passenger seat. So you can grab it quick in case you run into a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and you put that thing on quick. You see a Christian, you put it on like 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 oxygen in an airplane. You see a Christian, whoop. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Oh, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord on my soul. All that is in me. Just like ten minutes later, you know, you you and the, you and the wife are arguing in the car on the way to church. Y'all arguing. I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you when we get out. Soon you pull up in the church door and like, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How's things going with y'all? Oh, we are blessed and highly favored. That's when you really got the spirit wing. You know, that's how folks do. And, and Judas learned to do that. He learned to put on the believer's mask. One more lesson as we look at Judas, the betrayer. The lesson is this. Write it down. If Jesus was betrayed, here it is. You're going to be betrayed. If you haven't been betrayed, just wait. It's coming. Isn't that great, encouraging news? Just wait. It's coming. Not only will you be betrayed, but watch this. You'll be betrayed by someone who is close to you. You know, we can see also, look at this, that Jesus was betrayed. 
But Jesus didn't let betrayal turn him away from God's plan, path, and purpose for his life. You know, plenty of Christians, they find themselves betrayed by someone or some man or some woman or some mentor, someone they look up to or not. And they're betrayed and they give up on Jesus and they turn away from the church. Jesus was betrayed, and yet the Bible tells us that he set his face like a flint. That's a rock. He set his face like a flint going to Jerusalem. Because he was betrayed, he did not not go to the cross. He went to the cross anyway. He went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, for, uh, Hebrews 12. He endured the cross and despised his shame. He went to the cross because of the joy of your salvation. He went, I'm going to wait. He went to the cross because he could see, thousands of years later, he could see people, even a few years later. And Peter preached his first sermon, and 3,000 people were added to the church, and the Holy Spirit filled them. He could see people getting saved, so he set his face like a flint, and nothing deterred him from doing what God has called him to do. And if you are betrayed, nothing can deter you from doing what God has called you to do. Now, I'm talking to you from years of experience here, of, of being betrayed, quite honestly, of being betrayed. And it hurts, especially by those who you walked in the house of the Lord together, and you were in ministry together, and you served the Lord together, and you, you did the work of the kingdom together, and then all of a sudden, ambition, I've seen it happen, ambition, pulpit envy, those lights all of a sudden shine on this pulpit, bling, and they go, man, I, I could do that, I want to be a pastor. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.